Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Oh, here we go, boys. Go. Love that sound. This is a good one. Pretty sure they were walleye fishing. They're moving really slowly to me, what appeared like in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Just like trolling a flat. Yeah, I'm guessing. It was out kind of in front of um Crowman's Point. I don't know the official so, name of that. Um, one. So pretty much out in front of Northland. Okay, yeah. That little. I'm guessing yeah. that. I'm guessing what they were. That's trolling. not a flat. That's a channel there. Yeah, I'm guessing what they were doing is trolling that edge, where that kind of ten foot flat turns into that yeah, ditch. Yeah, probably there. trolling a transition there. I heard him catch a couple fish, but I caught a nice walleye this morning. Did you? We caught a bunch actually in the boat, but uh, one. So I caught a 22-incher, Brock caught a, maybe his was smaller, Lucas caught a 25-incher, Ron caught a almost 26-incher, I mean, we were lots of pretty good ones and some teens and whatnot, and a couple of young 13-year-olds challenged a friend of mine, they wanted to, we can outfish the old dudes. Like, when did I end up on this side of old dudes? <laughs> when you had kids? <laughs> were you dragging Lindy rigs? Yeah, yeah, homemade collar harnesses. Uh, that sounds terrible. No, no, it's great. <laughs> you know what? You go out there, you bring your favorite beverage along, you chill, you talk, you tell stories, you laugh at each other. It's a good time. Yeah, so I've heard. So I've heard. I just can't bring myself to do it. I need to, though. I need to so I can... Because <sighs> I know some people are just... They're going to want to do it. I'm gonna, if I'm going to guide out here, I'm going to have to... just going to have to suck it up and learn how to walleye fish, I guess. 
Yeah, I came to the walleye party late, but I do enjoy it now. What, um, well, walk us through it. We're recording. What, uh, what were you, like, what depth of water? Were you on a break line, sand, rock no, transition? We were trolling sand flats, trying to find the edge of weed lines. The problem was every time we bumped through a weed line, we started catching bluegills. So we really want to stay in the sand. Uh, we were trying to stay in about 12 feet of water, trolling 1.3 miles an hour. That's what the trolling motor was set at to move. And, uh, yeah, so we are using just worms, double hook, homemade crawler harness. At first we were trolling just regular blades. Then they have a new blade. It's a little bit bigger, but it's got beads in it, so it rattles a little bit. And we changed over about an hour and a half into it. That really seemed to kick it up a notch. Mm. So that was cool. That's good. That is, I mean, it sounds fun on paper, but <laughs> everybody who listens to this podcast knows my my disdain for for wallies. You know, it's weird because I grew up. That's all we ever, and maybe this is why. Like all we ever did was troll. That's all we. My dad never did anything different. Um, we always used spinners, the Lindy Little Joe spinners. Yeah, same idea we were doing. That's mm-hmm. the same thing. I got into making my own at one point in time, which is you know once you learn a snell. Yeah, yeah. Learn how to tie a snell. You're. It's a matter of adding some beads, a clevis, and a. And a, and a blade, and you're up and running, and then uh, that's literally all we did. Yeah, and we tie them ourselves. Mine are all homemade ties. And and I get it. I went out, what was it Thursday? So we went out Sunday night, Brock and I did, with a friend. We were out bass fishing maybe two hours. We landed 50 <laughs> largemouth, all largemouth, not a single smallmouth, yeah. which was weird. Hmm. But we were topwatering uh, around lily pads and wacky rigging. So we whack it the first hour, top part of the second hour. And, yeah, we caught a lot of fish. That's fun. But I really enjoy that idea of trying to pursue that monster walleye. It's hard to do. Yeah, they're in here. They're in there. I know they're in this I lake. I see them caught. Sure. We had a 29-and-a-half-inch yeah. caught just uh, three days ago by a guest here. Nice. So we've had a couple of 26s this week. It's a solid fish anywhere. So it's it's fun. I enjoy it. It is a different type of fishing. I do go out with a different mindset. I measure success differently when I'm doing walleye versus bass fishing so yeah and i'm in the pursuit of that 30 incher man everybody is that's the magic that's the magic number but the difference is i'm gonna get it dealt (laughs) probably because you actually fish for them (laughs) i do and i sit here living on a lake that has the potential for it and i do see about 10 a year coming from guests so if you figure i got 2,000 fishermen come through every year and i got 10 it's a small percentage what Mm -hmm. is being done no i think honestly i think this is a, a a decent lake for it um it's an excellent lake for it yeah we don't have a it doesn't have a ton of like numbers but the size structure is there yeah, but even that is changing so the the dnr just finished up last year with their stocking program here on pelican lake and they did 10 years of stocking the smallest uh numbers they dropped was 1 million fry oh one year gosh most years it was 1.5 to 1.7 fry slash fingerlings going into the lake that had an impact. So when I first bought the resort, you know, it's been nine summers now for me, we would see a few eating size walleye. Pretty much any walleye being caught was accidentally done, stumbled into sort of thing. It was not like we see it now. And I've seen the numbers change. We see a lot of, you know, we catch 10 to 13, quite a few now. Uh, today we caught a 15, we caught a 17, we caught a 19. You, you are catching these ones in these mm-hmm. mid ranges now. And when I empty the fish guts, which I do every day, not my favorite job, you go down there, you know, I, I look at the buckets, I'm dumping them out. I'm like, oh, man, a whole bunch of crappie blue goes, oh, look at those three walleye. Yeah. And you are seeing more of these teens. I never saw that eight, nine mm. years ago. That's good. So I do think there's an effect there. I think it's overall health of the lake is very good. 
they were worried it wasn't going to catch, they weren't going to breed, and it's working. There's really good spawning habitat on this lake, yes. if you think about it. Um, we've got lots of rocks, lots of, there's gravel and sand. It, you know, what you want is that kind of windswept or wind-crashed um, gravel, really, the pea-sized gravel. That's like the best walleye spawning. And we have it. You, yeah. you come off that deep water hole between Copen-Peterson and Bald Island, and they got that wide open sand flats there that are just gravel flats. Mm-hmm. And it's excellent. You just troll them. So, yeah, it's not for everybody. And, you know, my kid, he complains about, Dad, are we going wally? Oh, why can't we go bass fishing? <laughs> I know, you love that. Um, and we have a good time with it, but it, I really enjoy just sitting there once in a while relaxing and trolling and just telling stories. You know, the other night, we, yeah, you talk and you mess around a little bit, but you're constantly bringing fish in. And we, we had multiple doubles oh, the other no. night. We had triples. <laughs> constantly and, bringing fish in. Interrupting it's, the story. It's a different... <laughs> it's, it's just a different thing. So. I get it. It's more relaxing. And honestly, I probably should do more of that. But I just... I have a restless soul. I guess I just... I get... I, and I, then I ask myself, Dell, I said, which is more difficult? Is it more difficult for someone to go out there and on this lake and catch a 20-inch bass or go out there and catch a 28-inch walleye? So there's that challenge for me mm-hmm. because the percentage of my guests that come through and catch a 20-inch bass, if they want to, one in three guests are going to catch one during the week. Yeah, well, I mean, it's a hell of a bass lake. That's why. Right, right. It's true. <laughs> um, but then you take any lake, the, nut, the percentage of of your fishermen have caught a 30 inch walleye it's small yeah there's not that many yeah. and, and i'm not quite there i'm stuck at 29 and a quarter well, i know i'm close 27 and a half for me i've got multiple 28s out of here i've got a lot of 27s i mean i catch them i had one today that was probably 26 27 and the problem we had was the the two 13 year olds were talking smacks so they want a little challenge <laughs> so we said okay what's what's the stakes here and you know we all threw a quarter in because they were 13 and there was a whole 50 cents to be one, but it, you know, the, the idea was to get these boys yeah, a little yeah, more yeah. serious. And the, I had this fish coming in and we, we saw it and it was a big walleye. And my son, who was on the 13 year old team, he dragged his line in front of mine. Next thing I know, his lines wrapped around the walleye oh, no. and he's like, Oh, you're going to get the net here. Let me grab your net. Oops, dad. And my walleye comes off. <laughs> Oops. You, know, it's, you it's, can't have your competitor being the net I know, man. I That's know. not that was the last we 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 adjusted that afterwards. We we <laughs> moved the sounds, net where it was, and sounds but like it's a fun. terrible idea. Yeah, it was it was a good time, That's and we beat them handily. So they want to rematch on bass fishing. I think next week, one of the evenings, the same two kids want to go against us again, the the two old dudes, and uh, yeah, they're gonna get their butts kicked there too. Nice. <laughs> That's good. It's like <laughs> it's like my uh, it's like my nephew Trent. Uh, he always, he always wants to compete, you know, and, and I've tried to like tell him, you know, cause he only fishes this like once a year, you know, sure. when my family comes up and it's like, well, how good do you think you're going to do, you know? And then for one, he's in my boat fishing with me. Right. So I'm bringing him to the spots. So I'm showing him what sure. to use and I'm whatever. So, well, uh, he just recently, like really recently this past week bought himself, uh, a really nice, but like 20 year old bass boat. Okay. Um, night was it a nitro i don't remember um but it's in really great shape he's like high probability i'm dragging this to or this summer i said well good you won't have any excuses when i beat you then yeah <laughs> i mean it was funny my son today same 13 year old friend he had up here staying a cat kids here for three weeks they took the kayaks they paddled over to saunders bay 
And they caught a couple dozen bass this afternoon. That's by fun. themselves on Seiko, on a kayak. Yeah, that, that, that's his life here, so it's fun. That's great. Yeah, he should be out there tooling around. He's a little fourteen foot boat with like a nine nine on it. Yeah, actually, I have a fourteen foot. How old is he? Thirteen. Oh, he's plenty old for that. Yeah, he drives the uh, the. You know, when we go out fishing on the motorboats on the sixties and nineties, he drives because I want him having all that time on the water and driving. So he's a good kid, good fisherman, nice. very talented. Nice. Well, I suppose you should officially introduce you. Um, it's Adam Van Tassel with Birch Forest Lodge. He's been on the podcast before. I have. Thank you. Yeah. And welcome anytime, of course. Uh, but he is, I think we talked about this the last time you were on, but you're kind of, no, I don't think we did. You had a, uh, <laughs> I should almost let you tell the story, but I'll do the setup. Um, you had a resort in Belize. I think that's what we talked about the last time you were on the show. Since then, you you know what? You better tell it because I'll screw it up. So I still technically own a resort in Belize, um, but I have it leased out to another company right now. COVID just wrecked. You know, international travel collapsed. and So I was running that resort down in Belize, you know, a little fishing lodge, two people with saltwater fishing trips and freshwater there on the river because we actually were on a river. So we'd leave from the dock there, go up the river and fish snook and different things and fish the brackish water. But uh, like I said, I leased that out and I got kind of bored the last couple of years here. I don't do very well and I have nothing to do. So <laughs> I have started two, well, the same company, but kind of dual threads on it. So one, my son and I started a YouTube channel and we had a lot of fun with it because he wanted to do a gaming channel and we were butting heads for almost two years over. He's like, dad, I want to play video games and you know, I'm going to be like Mr. Beast and I'm like, ah, oh, dude, you're not going to, you know, how it is arguing with a 10 year old. <laughs> So about a year ago, I had the idea to do a fishing channel with him rather than having him on his own doing it. So let's do it together. We'll learn together and do it together. And he got really excited about it. So we started this fishing channel and it's been great. We've been making little fishing videos and they're really hokey and low budget. You know, they're granola, but it's cool. It's just a father-son combination out there fishing and we're trying to record things. We also try to share and teach little things. And you've been a guest on that before and done a video with us on that. Uh, so we're doing that at the same time. I launched a travel agency where I take people on fishing trips because, uh, you know, I like to go on fishing trips and it's hard to find someone that goes out there and can say, yes, I've used this outfitter in this country and went for these species. So I, you know, I pitched it to my wife about a year ago and she's like, well, I don't think we'll lose as much money if you do that as we did with Belize. <laughs> <laughs> and she knows I want to go on these fishing trips. So she's like, well, if you get enough people together and you've approached an outfitter and say, look, I got eight guys and it brings the whole rate down for everybody. It's more affordable. Again, she's not going to lose as much money. So yeah, I now spend the winters traveling around mostly Central and South America taking people on exotic fishing trips. So for instance, this winter I took one group to Belize. No, two different groups to Belize. One group to Costa Rica and I took a group down to the Amazon River in Brazil. And next winter I've already got scheduled two groups to the Amazon, one group to Costa Rica and another group to Belize. So I know the country's relatively well, still learning, you know, but have a pretty good idea of how to get in and out and good outfitters and places to stay and, you know, fish to catch. So for me personally, my big goal in life is to catch 101 braggable species of fish. And when I made that goal a few years ago, I thought I was going to get it in a couple of years. <laughs> yeah, it's not happening. It's a tough goal. You know, well, yeah. To add a new species every time I do, it's a bigger deal than the previous one. You know, I'm not going to add another bass to my list. Um, I've already got big rock bass. I've already got personal bass and smallmouth, largemouth. So, What's the big rock bass? 
Uh, I'm like ten and a half, which is a good rock bass. That's all right. It's all right. Well, you know, like I say, be shooting for a twelve. I'll add to it as I go. I'm sure they'll get bigger over time. But even if I do, it's not a new species. Yeah, the personal best gets better. True. And so for me, I don't want to just add. You know, oh, I increase my personal best. So I try to do that. I'm also trying to add new species as I go. You know, but I, I've got bluegill on the list. I've got pumpkin seed on the list. I, actually, the funny one is I don't have a pike on the list because I don't consider the. I've never caught a 40-inch pike. And so braggable, you have to define what is something you can brag about. And for me, you got to be over 40 to be a pike to really brag. You're not far from really, really good pike waters. Uh, rainy, rainy river. It's got some giants. I caught a giant pike in the boundary waters one time. I got it up to the canoe. We didn't have any way to grab it. You know, I didn't have a boga gripper. I didn't have, you know, anything to use to pick it up out of the water. I was in, again, I was in a canoe. I didn't want to tip the canoe over. We laid the paddle down next to it. I made a mark on the paddle with my knife, trying to figure out how big it was. We got back. It was 42 inches long, but I didn't get a photo of it because oh, well. I did all against the side of the canoe. So for me, I didn't count it because I don't have the photo to show it. So I got a photo evidence. But anyway, again, I, I, you can't just add fish to a list unless you go places and actually catch new fish. So that's me. I'm in this pursuit, this difficult pursuit of trying to find that next species. And my favorite TV show is River Monsters. Mm-hmm. Jeremy Wade. Yep. Love yep. the show. I tell dream, my wife I'm not watching. Oh, yeah, I know. Right? <laughs> she comes, are you watching Fishing Again on YouTube? No, honey, I'm watching a murder mystery. She's <laughs> yeah, like, what? Yeah. Rock's like, yeah, we're trying to figure out who the piranha's going to kill next. <laughs> or did that catfish eat somebody? He always ruins it for me. But, uh, yeah, so we're, we're going out there trying to catch these, these monster fish places. In fact, I got to fish the same place that Jeremy Wade fished in the Amazon last winter. Oh, it was cool. cool as can be. He stayed at the yeah. same place. and Yeah, it, it's, it's amazing. You, go, you, you get these new fish on. And, again, unlike here in Minnesota, the, I don't know what's on the end of the line. Something's out there shaking, pulling hard, and you get to the boat, and i got to look at the guy and go, what is that? Right, there's, like, oh, so many different types of catfish. So in the Amazon River alone, there's 3,000 species of fish. Over half of them are catfish. That's ridiculous. <laughs> 90% of them are unique. Are, different kinds are of only in the Amazon. They exist nowhere else in the world. Yeah, that's wild. It's a cool thing. So what you do if you go in the Amazon, for instance, so you start in the morning, you know, you'll cast for peacock bass, and you'll do that until they stop biting because they are the, 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 you know, the, the peak of the peak, the top of the pyramid mm-hmm. here for the coolest thing to catch amazing fight gorgeous fish just loads of fun and usually end up catching some wolf fish while you do it too because they're also aggressive and toothy and everything so anyway you get done with those things then you pick these little berries around trees there you put on a blank hook and you just take eight feet of of, um fishing line you put it on the it's almost like a cane rod and you just flip it out there and make it look like berries are falling under a bush and these little six to eight inch paku come up and grab the berries. You set the hook and bring it in. You take the machete, because that's what they have there in the boat. You cut it in half, then you grab a big circle hook, put that half of it, and you throw it out there. And the piranhas go all over it. So you catch a few piranhas. <laughs> and you work your way bigger, basically, cutting sure, the piranhas sure. up, getting more meat. And then you put weights on it, because you've got to get past the piranhas. And you drop them down the bottom, and you sit there and wait for a big cat to come along. And you have no idea. That'd be so so it might be an 18-pound sudabi which is a shovel-nosed tiger catfish. It might be a Wells cat. Those things look so cool. Oh, yeah. It might be a Junja. It might, you know, all these things. Red it tail. might be a red, red tail. tail. Or a Pitaiba, which is the Amazon River Goliath catfish. Okay. The They're almost all over 100 pounds. Jeez. <laughs> so you, you sit there, you know, you just don't know. So, yeah, that's the fun I get to have now in the winter. Um, and bad, I get to take not people. Not a bad in, way to spend know, a winter. Oh, yeah, it's it's cool. 
I know you'll miss the 30 below zero and stuff, but. I wish it was only 30 below up here. <laughs> I handled the 30s fine. It was the negative 40, 50, and the one, those one week in January, you bumped negative 60 every winter. I thought, Oof, no. That's brutal. Well, thankfully, it never got that this past year, but. Yeah, that, that'd be a little much for me. Yeah, it, it's been. I've had it right here. I can do, yeah, the 20 and 30 below, I can do that. That's. 40 starts getting a little sketch. Yeah, it's different. Yeah, for sure. Um, they get some pretty big Paku down there, though. Like, you do. Paku, Occasion- can, Paku can get really they can. big. And, and and occasionally you get a big one, but they're like catching bluegills, you know. Yeah, you can catch a big bluegill. Or, or maybe crappie fishing is a better analogy. You go out there like, oh, I'm going to get a 14, 15-incher. You do see them. But you're going to catch a whole bunch of 7, 8s in the process. Right, right, yeah. So, yeah, the is Paku. a big Paku on your list, like a 10-pound Paku? I'd like to get one someday. I don't have a big one yet. Okay. Just little ones. Um, I'm really fortunate. I went down there. We had a great time. I caught – I added seven new species to my list, seven what I consider trophies. Nice, nice. Uh, my big fish this winter was a 207-pound, 6-foot, 3-inch long catfish. Wow. It was 45 minutes of a fight. I was exhausted. So you're sitting there in the boat, and you feel that tap, tap, tap. And you go to set the hook, you know, and a big fish will pull back a little bit. Yeah, you almost lose the rod in this one. I've held, you know, I used to break horses when I was a kid, and I felt like I had a runaway horse on a long rope. Because that rod just came flying back my hands, and the drag's just zipping out. And I'm looking down, wondering if it's going to catch on fire. And after about, you know, 20 seconds of it just streaming out. This is 100-pound test line you're using. Braided line. Good, strong. Um, I think 6,000 series Shimano. Open face reels, spinning reels. So it's pretty serious tackle. It's a heavy action rod, and it's just still going. So you look at this line, it's getting smaller and smaller and smaller. So you look back at your guy, you say, oh, start the engine. They're going to have to move this boat. <laughs> so he starts up, and all you do is you re-spool the line. So he's going, and you, you know, kind of figure out the, the speed, and you go, and you get right back on top of the fish, and then you tell the guy, you put your hands, like, okay, okay, stop again, and then you watch it unwind itself again three times Oof. it completely unspooled me and if you don't time it right my father-in-law he was up on the trip with me he had the same thing happen and he didn't time it right and it spooled the whole thing out and then snapped I at the think. end jeez so you guys seriously what will unspool a hundred pound braided line real so you, you get it 45 minutes later i'm exhausted the fish is exhausted it comes up to the surface and we have a whole youtube video on this fish it's funny because my wife is like, oh, do you have it yet? Come on. Is it really big? You're stuck in a log. And it hits the surface. She's like, oh, my goodness. What is that thing? And it looks like this prehistoric giant fish. And then you think to yourself, well, how do I get that in the boat? Because it's a little teeny 14-foot John yeah. boat. Yeah. It's four feet wide. And so you have to get everybody standing on one side of the boat and trying to lift it. Anyway, I was getting it in the boat. I was going to take that picture because I made the mistake with that one northern <laughs> pike, pike yeah. 15 years ago. You can always jump in and take the picture We, we, with we it. talked about doing that. Um, but, again, you're in the Amazon River, and every time you get in the water, you got to really think about that. Well, there's piranhas and caimans. Piranhas and are like the safe stuff. I saw <laughs> anacondas while I was there. they got these crazy river otters that will tear your flesh off. They've got uh, electric eels, killer stingrays. Yeah, you'd be fine. Um, I did jump in. I mean, there were times where we jumped in, but this one here, I, I asked the guide. He's like, no, probably not a good spot. So if the local, because yeah. the guide is an indigenous, yeah, you know, yeah. he, 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 he's this indigenous yeah. person of the Amazon. He's never been to a, anything that has more than 200 people at any one time. And he's like, oh, I don't think you should get in right here. Okay. 
I'm not getting in. Yeah, I'll follow his lead on that one. So I, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty reckless slash brave for most things. But, yeah, if my guide says, yes, yeah, probably isn't a good spot, I'd be like, it's not a good spot then. No, it's not a good spot. <laughs> so you don't get in, but you're catching all sorts of crazy fish like that. Um, There's always the lean over the boat, you know, and you get a good perspective shot too. I see that with, like, big Goliaths, Goliath groupers. Yes, yeah, yeah. You catch a big Goliath, and a lot of times you're – same thing. You can't jump in because there's sharks everywhere. Yeah. Um, so they usually just, or when they, you catch a big shark, they lean over or a big shark, yeah. you kind of lean over and you, the head's closest yep. to the camera. So you get, it, it makes for a really a big good marlin. You do the same thing. Right, right, right. Yeah. And, and so you have those moments. We talked about that, but he was willing to try to get in the boat. So we did. And you know, it's one of these moments years ago, I was talking with some pretty serious fishermen and they were like, what's the biggest fish you ever caught? And at the time it was like a 45 pound halibut. And they kind of laughed at me. I was like, well, you know, it is 45 pounds. I go, oh, Adam, you don't have a big fish in your list. So earlier that same day, we're in the Amazon. I landed one that was uh, just over 100 pounds. And we, I still might tell my wife, this is my biggest fish. Where's Drake now? I want to tell him I got a 100-pound fish. So when I landed the 200-pounder later in the day, you know, it was just cool. You just, yeah. It's amazing what you get. So anyway, we did really well. I talked to the people down there, and I was kind of – I was telling the owner of the company that I own a fishing lodge, and he says, oh, that's really cool. So long story short, he wants us to carry uh, brochure material here in Minnesota about his operation. He said, you got fishermen. Can you throw a little thing on your website? I said, well, I guess I could, but, I mean, I'm doing all this work to bring yeah, people to me. what's in it for me? <laughs> what's in it for me? So he invited me to come down this winter. I'm going in November. They have an exploratory camp. Nice. Okay, They try to find new places. They're going deeper. Uh, this previous year, we flew over an hour from the nearest anything, deep, deep Amazon. It's only trees and water. We're flying two hours this time. So this, what they do is the outfitters rent sections of the river from indigenous tribes, and each tribe will control how many people come in. There we're going to. They try to only limit to 40 fishermen a year. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So I'm invited. We're going back. I feel like you, you should probably go down there with an assistant or something. <laughs> if only I knew somebody. <laughs> so, yeah, we're going to go down there. Um, I expect to, you know, catch more fish than we did. And that's where these bigger pacus and things. Because there we're in, there, there, you know, it's pretty remote. But there are people going through there. There's multiple villages in the area. This new area does not have that. So pacus are relatively easily harvested fish by villagers. Mm -hmm. And it eats really well. It's very tasty fish. So we're hoping to get more fish, bigger fish. Um, have you caught a payara? I did catch a payara. I did not catch a monster payara. It's not on my list. That's a great okay. example here. Right. My wife caught a nice one. We did see them. Um, I got a really nice payara up to the boat. We learned some be some difficult lessons while we were down there. They didn't have nets, which oh, yeah. when you're going to be fishing for things that have teeth, yeah, like they net. do down there, yeah. you want a net. You're not lipping yeah. anything. Yeah. And even the boga grippers. So I had this 18-pound wolf fish, um, the Traida, up against the boat. And you're looking at this and going, oh, my goodness, because it's this huge, massive body. Uh, and it's thrashing, and you see these teeth, and they make a piranha teeth look small. So the guide, he puts his hand on the gunnel and looks over the edge of the boat at this fish. And he nods, because they don't speak much English mm -hmm. at all. And he kind of nods at me, gives his thumb up, and he gives me the sign for big. And then I watched the fish jump out of the water and bite his hand. Oh, wow. So it jumped 10 inches out of the water to bite him. On the, and there's blood spraying. Oh, wow. My wife's trying to help him doctor his hand. I'm trying to get the fish <laughs> in the boat because I want the picture of this fish. 
You know, there's just stuff out there. What is the language? Is it Spanish or is it Portuguese? So Brazil speaks Portuguese, but the indigenous tribes of the Amazon do not. Okay, they have their own. They have their own language, okay. their own dialect. Um, I'm going to butcher this, but it's like Amakari or something like that is what okay. most of them speak. Um, and they're different. You know, they, they, each tribe has a little bit different dialect. So the camp has a director, and you go through and you tell them, look, here's what I'm kind of wanted to fish for. He communicates with the guides. You go out. There's a lot of pointing. Um, bring pictures. Bring pictures. <laughs> I, I speak some Spanish, and I thought that would help with the Portuguese. It didn't because they didn't speak Portuguese. Right. Or they don't speak Spanish. Oh, yeah. Well, they don't speak Portuguese, so that's not going to help you. They do yeah. know the fish names in Portuguese. Okay. So I had to learn what the fish were. It's odd. They all start P, piranha, pitaiba. Uh, Pitadada, Peacock. They understood that one fine. Payara, Peacock, Arapaima. So anyway, you get down there, you don't have a net. And we lost a lot of fish in the boat. So this next trip I go down, not only am I going to bring the boger grippers, I'm also bringing a collapsible net with me. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. We lost a ton of fish. I mean, how big do you think a piranha is, Dale? Well, it depends on the species. Sure. Uh, A black black piranha piranha is the largest. Which is the largest. Uh, I think they get, I think they get up about, can you get a 10-pound black? You can. So the re- the camp record down there, I believe, is 11 and a half. Ooh-wee. My wife landed a 9. Wow. I landed an 8 and a half. We landed multiple 7s and 8s. So I thought they were going to be, you know, dinner plate size on a big one. A little, yeah. Because you see them like in the aquariums. Even one, the ones one on— One and two pound yeah. red breast or something. Y- even the ones you see on River Monster, they're not that big. Right. So the first time we pulled in, I think the very first day, it was like a four-pound piranha. We freaked out. Oh, my goodness. These things are massive. <laughs> and the guides give us a weird look. He's like, what? He gives, gives us a sign for small. Yeah, three days later, we're just so tired of catching piranha. You catch so many of them. But they're, they're cool. They are very they're very cool fish. Very so, cool. You know, these chances to do this. Um, so how do you go about setting, like, how do you know what's a good size representative like, what makes your list? Like, what would be a big payara? Um, like, yeah. what's exceptionally large, and what would you consider good enough to check off well, your the, list? The, the list for me is called a braggable. So 101 species of braggable fish. Okay. So you go home, and, and I've got pictures of me holding a payara, but it's only, you know, 22 inches long or something like that. And I've seen people catch them at 8, 9 pounds. So, so similar to a walleye. Yeah, they're going to get the big ones get larger than that. Uh, you probably see them get 36 inches long. Uh, they have a stockier body than a pike. They're, you know, they're shaped a little bit different. The teeth on the pie are so cool. So they're a suspended feeding fish. And what they do is they have those huge fangs on the bottom. You know, they're the vampire fish, but it's mm-hmm. on the bottom jaw. They come to fish and they jab it really quick. They puncture the swim bladder, pull back, and they let it swim around and die, and then they come and eat it. Oh, wow, interesting. Yeah, so you got to target them a little bit differently. So the species I added last winter, let's see. I added the peacock bass. Uh, I caught one just shy of 11 pounds. You know, again, it's the, the world record's like 27. Right. I, I think. Uh, you do hear of 20s, but a real trophy, a massive trophy, you usually hear people at the 14, 15 pounders when they're down there. So is that a trophy? Well, I mean, it was a 25-inch long bass, almost 26 inches actually. Uh, came in under 11 pounds. The fight was incredible. It's not a fish most people caught, so I called it braggable. Uh, peacock. I added the black piranha. I added uh, Junja, this type of catfish. I added the pitaiba. You know, I added, anyway, all these fish. I caught a red tail catfish. It was eight pounds. That's not big. It's enough. not big, right? That's not big. My wife caught f- 
three or four over 45 pounds. She's in the same boat with me, sitting right next to me. And she kept landing the big red tails, the pirarara. So it didn't make the list. She caught a big pyre. I caught small ones. Um, I have plenty more to add. The bakuda, the arowana. You know, there's so the arowana, many. Arowana, arapaima. Arapaima is going to be a little bit different on the targeting presentation. So they breathe oxygen. Your 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 surface casting. Well, your surface well, casting. You find them a lot, uh, as far as I know. Correct me if I'm wrong, but like more like your, um, um, like your backwater lakes. Yeah. Um, the water's not moving. Right. Yeah. Super still. And, and you do get some of that. You can pull off uh, into the sides. They have all these tributaries. The, the Amazon is just massive. So we fished uh, last time the Rio Negro branch. And there's, I don't know, you know, how many they have. Uh, you want to fish dark, dark black water when you can there. Every time we found a section of brownish water, it wasn't great fishing. One of the reasons why I'm going November this time rather than January is I learned you want falling water for peacock. And I, I really like to get a huge peacock. Um, so, yeah, you know, you learn these sort of things. But this is also why people go with me when we go down because I've already done the research. I figure out when's the best time. Sure. Who do you go with? How safe is it? Which, like, I don't know if this is the right term either, subspecies or color phase. I don't know, because there's, like, two different kinds of peacocks. There's probably more than that, but they there's got, like, the too. ones with the bars. The three bars. Those other ones with, like, the spots. Um, that's that's a phase, actually, they're they're thinking now. So you got butterfly peacocks are a common one. The three bars are a common one. Uh, the spot one, it's a paku something. They're, it's a long one. As board is it kind of like a muskie where you have a barred muskie and a spotted yes. muskie, but they're still, they're still they're the just same muskies? Yeah. yeah, okay. That's my understanding, That's at least. what I thought. That's kind of what I thought, too, but I wasn't sure. But they look totally different. They're totally different looking. Like, different colors, different patterns. Like, it's crazy how different they are. Yeah. Oh, man, I tell you, that the guide, when I caught my, my first peacock, he was laughing at me because I was shrieking. I get really <laughs> excited when I catch a new species. I mean, it's a big-time goal of mine. And I'm like, it's a peacock! It's a peacock! <laughs> and he's laughing. My wife's trying to apologize. I'm sorry. My husband's an idiot. He gets way too excited. <laughs> and I get really nervous. I'm thinking, don't let this thing get off. Please get in the boat. Uh, I'm realizing I really don't have a net. I'd love to have a net right now. So I tried to lip this thing. I got up against the boat, and I'm reaching there. And they're so powerful. I end up having to hand the wi my wife the rod for a brief moment. And I grabbed two hands to lip it and pulled it out. Nice. I couldn't do it with one hand. Nice. They're, they're so much fun. You're throwing basically musky baits, the big old chopper baits mm -hmm. at service, mm -hmm. and they're so angry and powerful. Boom! I know the blow-up the blow videos for peacocks are just they're unbelievable. It's so hard to do. I have so much respect for people who do that. You know, with our YouTube channel, we're, we're trying to get this stuff on film, and getting that kind of explosion is, is so difficult. Uh, we're working on it. I don't know. Maybe I'll get a good one this winter. So, yeah, I'm hoping this winter to this next trip, I want to land a pyre and a red tail cat. Those are, I really hope I add at least two more species a from the Amazon. A big red tail. A big 40, red 40 tail. 40 plus, is that kind yeah, of Yeah, yeah. No, I got to be in the 40 plus. I saw okay. way too many caught above 40 to not, I, I know it's very possible and realistic. It's doable. Okay. But it was odd. Again, so she was right next to me, well, you know, four feet away in the boat. Um, she caught three big red tails. I caught the two massive pita ebas. She never caught a pita iba. Like, I don't know how, why. Mm -hmm. It just is what it is. Because there is that luck factor into it. So, yeah, you go down there. It's, I mean, it's cool. The Amazon's amazing. Did you know there's no mosquitoes in the Amazon? Is that right? Yeah. The water has see, alkali or acidic or something? or something like that. Yeah, something in the water. They can't breed. Mm. We brought so much bug dope with us. Think we're gonna <laughs> eat it. We did not bring enough sunscreen. <laughs> you can't bring enough sunscreen down there. It's so intense, the sun.
But uh, yeah, it's it's gorgeous. You sit there every time you come around a corner, the tree just comes alive. There's macaws, scarlet macaws, uh, the blue and gold macaws, just hyacinth. They, they go all crazy. Kill build toucans. I'm not even a birding guy, and I was stunned by the birds, the wildlife. Well, that, they're pretty uh, charismatic down there, for lack of a better word. Yeah. Like it's it's pretty cool. I'm I'm a bird, kind of a bird nerd, so I would be all in on that. But I, I'm kind of just an animal like geek so yeah i'm huge in fishing i'd be totally down for all that but i would be in awe of all the birds i would also want to carve out some time to like all right i want to find every snake i can find i want every lizard i can find let's see your tarantulas I mean, let's see your, i like all the creepy crawlies yeah the, you the see caimans, a ton of stuff the this the that all of it my father-in-law hooked a caiman that was pretty funny we kind of like snuck up the boat behind it he reached the paddle and flipped it off its back <laughs> the, it didn't even move and so when it landed on him, he tried to tug it. It was just a little bit s- stuck. So he wanted to get his lure back. You know, these big, again, there's big mm-hmm. musky chopper baits. Uh, we saw an anaconda swim in the river. I assumed that they would swim the same way as most snakes I see, side to side. Mm-hmm. They don't. They look like a freaking sea wobble, serpent. Right? They go up and down, just like you see in movies, yeah. like a dragon sea serpent. That's why we didn't know what it was at first. We're looking mm-hmm. out across the water. We just see this, you know, the, a few pieces <laughs> of it here and there. And I tried to figure out what it was, and the guide was watching it really carefully, and he moved the boat a little bit, and all of a sudden it got biased, and I saw the head, and I realized what I was looking at. And my wife realized the exact same moment, because we both jumped to the other side of the boat. (laughs) (laughs) See, and I would have been like, can we catch it? (laughs) After it went by, I realized, oh, where's my phone? Take a video of this thing. Yeah, Uh, no doubt. So it was a big one. No, it was a small one. Oh. I thought it was big. It was only 15 feet long. Oh yeah, that's not that big. And I, we got back to camp again. The guide he doesn't speak enough to know, you know, to to, well, to communicate with me on what it was. And I tell the camp director, and I said, "Oh, we saw this huge anaconda." He's like, "Oh, cool. How big was it?" And I said, "It was 15 feet long at least." He's like, "Oh, you saw a baby." <laughs> and he, okay, it was a baby. Sure. <laughs> yeah. So he was telling me stories that, and that, you know, they use meters down there. He, and I looked it up on. Wikipedia, so I'm getting home, and they're it's like five meters. The the longest they record or they claim is 25 feet ish. And he's telling me stories of these anacondas that they skins they have that are 10 to 12 meters long in the villages. And yeah, you, you have that, to see them. I mean, it, I've heard the stories. There's actually a, a podcast not that long ago. I think it was a Rogan podcast, and he had a guy that was he kind of makes these document documentaries, and he goes down there and chasing those big animal stories, you know, and and they're catching big ones, but even you know they're not they're not even getting anywhere close to yeah the legendary big ones. Like I don't dispute that they might be out there, especially because so much of the South America is like just unexplored. I mean, it's impenetrable jungle. A lot of it. Who knows what's out there? You know. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it'll tell you what I you know next year. I'll tell you what I saw this year. Really excited. I'm gonna be in Brazil for three weeks this winter. Um, for November. Missing Thanksgiving, <laughs> and uh, are you though? <laughs> oh yeah, I, well, you know, I'm not gonna be doing turkey. <laughs> I won't be missing that, but yeah, it's gonna uh, be epic. Do you do? Are there any saltwater adventures in the mix? Yeah, I um, so I'm fishing Panama this winter for a couple of days on the way down to Brazil. The flight is so long. Uh, Panama does kind of a cool thing where they will subsidize part of your flight ticket to get you to stay overnight. 
Hmm. So a lot of people don't realize this. If you're going to fly to a destination and you're not in a bigger rush, you can usually do what's it's called a multi-jaw ticket or a multi-city ticket, open jaw, sorry, multi-city ticket. You can stop somewhere along the way for the same price and break it up. So instead of having, you know, a 34-hour flight or, or, you know, total travel time because right, I follow yeah, layovers. Yeah. So we fly to Panama City and we stay for three nights. And you just kind of unwind. Nice. It's, it's the same. Relax. I mean. We actually save a couple hundred dollars. The, the airfare's lower to stop in Panama City than to go straight down to Manaus. Interesting. So it's just after a hotel, it's the same price. So I'm doing some saltwater fishing there. Uh, I'm going back to Costa Rica. We're doing that in March. I was in Costa Rica this year. I got my first rooster. That was a big one on my goal. Every year I make a goal which fish I'm trying to catch. So this past year it was How the, big was the rooster? Uh, 49 inches long. Weight came in right at 50 pounds. That's a good one. It was a good one. That's Again, it's not where, you know, they do hit 100 pounds. Yeah. You know, but those, that's those a good crazy one. ones. Yeah. But I've got multiple friends who have gone down to Costa Rica and they've got anywhere close to one that size. Well, it's kind of like a bull red. So you've got like the exceptional like state record, world record sure. sizes, right? So like even in South Carolina, I think the state record is like 90 some pounds. Sure. Which is ridiculous. Well, I mean, I've caught them over 40. And that's a that, that's a to good me, that's, that's a, a solid that's fi- a it's great like fish thinking that the state record is almost no it is twice that it's yeah. twice the size of that but it's like you almost can't even think of the state record as like a reachable attainable goal because nobody ever gets anywhere near that that's such a freakishly large abnormal fish to catch it's like fishing halibut if you go up to Alaska right any halibut over 100 pounds we call it a barn door yeah. and that is an amazing fish and you should brag and tell everyone about it possible yes the yeah, record's sure almost four, like 450 and four, yeah yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. You, you, when you land in anchorage they got one i think it's almost 400 pounds there on the wall and it's great everyone takes a picture i have a picture of my son standing next to it and you know you go out there and you hear these guys tell you stories about 250s three 350s but you catch a 100 pound halibut Oh, you should absolutely be bragging about it. So yeah, you get you know that's what the rooster is. That one was kind of fun. We got out there. Uh, the guide, I, I sent him down all this information, what I wanted to do, and then I got on the boat. And the guy who was emailing was clearly not the guy in the boat because he had no idea that I wanted to fish a rooster, and he was completely prepared for a dorado. Oh well. Like, so I we can do dorado anywhere, bro. Right. That was the thing. I wanted the rooster. What I didn't realize until we were done fishing for the day is he caught eight yellowtails the day before while fishing for dorado three of them were like almost 150 pounds oof if he'd have told me that <laughs> i might have said hey <laughs> let's try the okay. dorado yeah 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 but instead we went rooster so you go out and you catch uh you know the little bonitas are more of a false abacore and you catch um they want you to catch the one pounders you catch a whole bunch of five pounders which are fun you're, th- you're throwing these little oh, two-fifths half ounce so uh spoons and they fight great and they're on lighter tackle you catch those, then you string them up. You got to keep them alive. The rooster won't hit a dead fish. And uh, so, yeah, we did the big rooster. So going back down there, I've got a group coming down with me. Um, the In my brochures here at, Bir- at Birch Forest, I have trips listed that we do. So a lot of the guests and things will come down with us. That's most people go with me, or guests from here. And uh, we're going down. We're going to be staying in Nozara. We're going to fish the ocean for three days there. So that's cool. Uh, ocean fishing, Belize. I do have another group going down to Belize. I've learned a lot about fishing Belize over the last several years. Did you have a little bit of a uh, trouble? <laughs> a uh, yeah, I don't know what you'd call it. Uh, it was a letdown. Let's, let's a learning experience. <clears throat> yeah, we did. We got down there. We had this guide. I've used him multiple times for single day trips, and on that trip, uh, we had this five day camping trip. We were gonna camp on different islands going down the coast and that was the first mistake because we were camping on different islands that meant we moved every day 
So you spend a significant amount of the day moving, settling into a new place, getting set up, and uh, you're not fishing because you're moving. Second, we didn't realize the guy was not going to make it through multiple days of fishing. He burned out. So yeah, we, you know, hard lessons to learn. He got down the first couple of days. He had a lot of energy. By day three, he was pretty tired. Uh, economics are different everywhere you go. He seemed to be more interested in putting fish in the cooler to take back to sell afterwards than he was in helping us catch hmm. trophy fish. And we paid him a good amount of money. I mean, the trip was four grand per person for the five Jesus. days for everything. Uh, he gets a chunk of that. You know, some of that goes to a lot. You know, right. lodging yeah, 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 and, yeah. and food and stuff. But he got a chunk of money, and it's, you know, I don't know. I thought he would do a little bit better job than that. For instance, one night we came in, and yeah, we had caught some grouper that day, and we'd caught some wahoo, and we'd caught some king mackerel, um, some nice snappers. I caught. Oh, I got an. Uh, an African pompano of Threadfin Trevally on that trip. Great fish. What a beautiful fish. So we, we'd had really good fish. And then we come in there to the dock, and he's cleaning some fish. And we look down, there's bonefish everywhere. So I had my fly rod, and a friend of mine was on the trip with me. We started trying to catch some bonefish, and then some big tarpon move in. I'm like, oh, look at the tarpon. <laughs> so I'm, I'm using a five-weight fly rod for oh. these bonefish. <clears throat> and the tarpon hit the fly. Yeah, that's not going to end well. And so I grabbed the line. Because I don't want to strip out and just snap my whole leader and everything. I'm sure if it just breaks off the end of it. Breaks the fly. I, whew, you know, save the rod. So I grabbed one of the spinning rods that are in the boat. And he's... And I, we had some... Uh, uh, the bait. I can't remember what it's called. My, oh, the sardines. And so we start throwing them in the water. And the tarpon move around and We start casting. And they're hitting. And you either grab my lure. and I don't. But I'm not catching. I can't figure out what I was doing wrong. And he was laughing at us. <laughs> He's like, hey, man, you'd be doing it wrong. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what do I got to do? Oh, you got to do it right, man. Thank you. Yeah, th that's hot I tip. I appreciate that. Yeah, hot tip. And he's flaying fish, and he's just throwing the guts in the water and things. So the tarpon just keep coming in, and the bull sharks are around it. Uh, I probably hooked up five times. Wow. Never got it landed. Come to find out later, you got to let the tarpon turn over. It's kind of like, you know, topwater fish for a bass. So I should have mm -hmm. probably figured it out, but I was really excited. I didn't know. And people were watching and they're like, get it, get it. And, you know, what would I have felt or done if he would have helped me land that fish? He knew what he was doing. Right. He could have said, hey, Adam, look, slow down. When it hits, let it take it, you know, count to three. I guarantee his tip would have been bigger if I right. would have got a tarpon. Right. <laughs> Someone needs to explain to him the uh, the economics, economics of, of fishing, guiding. So we'd get out there in the water and we would do things, and you'd catch one fish, and we'd we hit an area, and he's just like, "Okay, time to move. Let's go set up camp." Well, we actually didn't come to move. It's three o'clock in the afternoon. Why are we going into the island? We got three hours of daylight. So it was frustrating. I was frustrated with it. It was a lot of money to spend to not, you know, to catch everything you wanted to, and weather was pretty good. The four of us that were on the trip were all pretty experienced fishermen, and you had myself. You have one of the other resorts on this lake, uh, John Metza from Grey Wolf. He was there. His friend Jim owns two Canadian fishing lodges, and the, my friend owns a charter service in Alaska. Four guys who know fishing, and we're around fishing a lot. You know, he wasn't dealing with rookies. Um, I don't know. It could have gone a lot better. 
but that that's the that's the difficulty of getting the right guide and outfitter set up. And I realize there is this group of people who said, oh, I'm doing it on my own. Well, when you go international, that's a little more complicated. Yeah. So if I'm going to go that far and spend that kind of money, I want to catch fish. Yeah, for sure. I don't. I wouldn't recommend anybody, especially going to a new place. I don't recommend freelancing at all. Like the some of the best money you could possibly spend is going to be on a guide that knows the waters. I mean, that, that, that's why people come to me and stay here on Pelican. Yeah, you can go rent an Airbnb. In fact, we've had this problem lately. So I, you know, my YouTube channel, I do these fishing reports and everything. And I, I put out little tips and I show how to do things in spots on the lake. And I get these emails. Hey, I'm staying at a, a Verbo down the lake and I'm having some trouble. Um, could you, like, pinpoint a spot on a map and tell me what depth I need to fish? <laughs> like, you're not staying with me. Why? Am, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm a nice guy, but I also make a living off of this. Right. You know, you, if you're going to do something, do it right. Spend the money to you know, yeah. have the guide or the, the lodge owner actually show you where to catch fish. Yeah, and it's crazy. Like, it, And I swear Minnesota is the worst for it. So many cheap people in this state that just don't want to pay money. Like, they just don't want to hire. They just. I don't know if it's I, Minnesota. I I've it. traveled and fished enough. I see it everywhere. And I think I used to be in that category. I was always worried about the dollar. Now I'm a little bit more worried about my time. I still got to pay attention to that dollar. That's an important one. But again, if I'm going to go somewhere, I'm going to try to do it right. Well, it's like factor it in. You know, it's like, do you need a guide every single day? Well, it depends on your skill level and if you have equipment or not. So sure. like, when we went to the Keys this last spring, um, my nephew drove their boat down there. So that was awesome. We had a boat for the whole time we were there, but we still we hired a guide for one of the days. And it just it, it just cuts down the... The learning it speeds curve speeds up like, the learning curve significantly. So yeah, because and even in the Keys, like I fished around Isla Morada before, and then this was in Cudjo Key, and they couldn't be any more different the way they fished. Sure, same fish. We see the, the Keys, same thing here in Minnesota, but it's different. I've lived on four different lakes here, running resorts in northern Minnesota. They're all different. Mm-hmm. Structure makes a big difference. Water temperature, water clarity. Mm-hmm. I used to live in the Keys for two years. I mean, we saw a lot of differences based on where yeah. the current was. Even the same. Same key. Uh, from different times of year, you'd see massive changes. In oh, it. yeah, for sure. Yeah, seasonal change, big-time seasonal changes. And, and it is. It's expensive. You know, every time we do one of these things, my wife's like, you're really going to spend X number of dollars? And if you go down <laughs> the Keys, it's like, what, $1,300, $1,400 to charter for a day for, yeah, for, for a, a big boat. Like a big boat, yeah. You can do yep. the smaller ones for less. But, you know, if I got family with me and there's five of us we're usually gonna get the bigger boat she's like really you're gonna spend that money i was like well yeah five six hundred bucks are gonna get you in the flats for yeah a day, for in the flats know? um and yeah that seems like a lot of money but it's like <sighs> what's your alternative if you don't and you just try to freelance it, you could be there for a week and not catch anything but mangrove snappers yeah you probably you catch a lot of those you catch yeah. a lot of those but i mean it's like <sighs> listen and i'm I got to check off my tarpon. I got a. There you go. You know, I didn't get the picture. I do have video, but I didn't get the picture because it made one last ditch run while the guide had his hand on the, on the leader, and it, it was just too much, too short, and it it popped it. But yeah. which was fine. The fish was. We we're right at thirty minutes. I was pretty well tapped out. I know the fish was. You know, and and the guide even said he's like, I don't really like fighting them much more than a half hour. I like these fish to swim off healthy, and and I agreed. I was like, yeah, that's. I mean. That's a catch. You know, it's a catch multiple times. He, there was earlier in the video he had touched a leader. That's an official catch. But then he touched it multiple times, even touched the actual fish. So it was definitely a cop. But we didn't. The only my only real regret, and it's not even that big of a regret, is just um, didn't get an actual measurement 
you know, it was, it's, we're all, we're all guessing, you know? And so he's like, well, the fish is as tall as you are, long as you are tall. I'm like, well, I'm six, four. He's like, right. it's probably around six foot, you know? So did looked on, looked online. Like, well, how, how much is that? You know? Well, according to the internet, it's 140 pounds. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's what you deal with with certain types of fishing. Um, I've done shark fishing before, and you catch a big shark. That's how it is. You go down uh, this March when I go to Costa Rica. We're going to spend probably two days trying to do some marlin or selfish fishing. We know we're not going to put those in the boat. You're going to lean over. They're going to have mm-hmm. to be holding the, the nose thing, whatever that is, and you put your hand on the on the fin a little bit and take your picture. Yeah, that right. is what it is. Yeah, right. right. you got to accept that with certain types yeah. of fishing. Yeah. Well, I wasn't, and I wasn't even expecting to to bring the fish in the boat ever. It just, you know, would have been nice to get the textile memory of like, yeah, yeah, t- me touching the fish, like, yeah, like, yeah, getting my hands on the fish. Like, even if my hand, you know, if I had it by the jaw, leaning over, keeping yeah. it in the water, yeah. would have been cool. But that'd be cool, you know. And if it if it had been in the daytime, which is not because it the sun had already set, and it was getting dark. Tarpon don't get caught in the daytime. But it would have been, you know, I would have been. We were in shallow enough water. It'd have been that'd have been an easy jump out and do that. That would have been a pretty epic picture, but it didn't happen. It gives me something else to shoot for. I mean, I'm, it made me question if I want to catch a Goliath or not. <laughs> that, dude, I, that fish fought so hard. Like I, I was, my guide's like, "Can you turn its head? Turn its head?" And I, I mean, I'm giving it everything. I'm like, "Yeah, what the hell do you think I'm trying to yeah, do?" Yeah, yeah, like, turn. I mean, and this fish just looks like it's not even trying. You know, that just gentle sweeping of that tail it's like oh my god and then it would come up and it'd g- get a gulp of air because tarver can breathe yeah. air too and then he'd give me a run it's like oh my god every time he does that he gets a little burst of energy so i started to re- i started i'd see him do that and i'm like oh crap <laughs> he'd peel off more line it's like oh my god yeah but is there a better sound in the world than hearing that drag zipping and the line peeling out no especially when we first hooked up and we didn't get this on you know we didn't we weren't videoing the whole time but as soon as we hooked up just three huge jumps like clean out of the water jumps kind you see on tv you know um we got one kind of little like half jump you know mid mid fight but anything like that (sighs) is such an impressive sight it's you never forget those moments for a six foot fish to be able to clump clean out of the water like that is just unreal yeah, there, there's fish out there that will fight in ways you cannot believe. And I would have been happy. I would literally would have been happy, you know, with a like a four footer. Yeah, you know, just yeah. like I'd be happy to check one off. You know, give me a twenty twenty thirty pounder. That would have been I would have been like sweet. That's that that counts. I'm good. You know, but instead I hooked into a six footer. So I'm definitely not mad at that. Yeah, that's kind of how I felt about the rooster. I thought to myself, you know, I was trying to think about thirty pounds was what I was really hoping to get down get with. And you land a 50-pounder, he's like, oh. The video is really funny. 50 that. is a good one. Brock was laughing at me. The guide was just rolling because I'm got my hands up in the air. I'm like, yes! <laughs> uh, the guy's like, okay, I think somebody checked their box. That's what he said. <laughs> well, he wasn't wrong. <laughs> yeah. Was not wrong. But oh, that man. is the joy and the thrill of fishing. And don't get me wrong, I love fishing northern Minnesota lakes. I love going out there and targeting a good bass or targeting a good walleye. And when it hits, you know what you've got on there. But then there's that other type of fishing where you don't know you what no idea. is yep. going to hit that. No, I, I, I 
definitely get that for sure obviously it'd be like that down the amazon with the not knowing what type of catfish or what kind of fish in general it is but that's why like wreck or reef fishing is oh, kind yeah. of the same way and you just and i'll catch little fish like i like oh, you always do it doesn't matter to me like we'll be out even in south carolina we'll be out on the rack on the 60 and we got the big baits down or waiting i'll grab the flats rob and i'll put on the smallest jig i can with a little bit of cut fish or shrimp and i'm just I'm catching little black sea bass or you get a little tiny you know uh, like strawberry grouper or you, some other kind of weird fish i'm like well i gotta look this up but they don't even know what this is you know it's like that's so cool to me i caught a strawberry grouper this year on a fly rod it was like nine inches ten inches long i didn't even know they started out that small we thought it was really funny <laughs> <laughs> that did not make my list though <laughs> well not a nine incher <laughs> I yeah. don't know how big they get, but I, they, know. I know they get bigger than bigger that. Than that. Yeah. <laughs> so I've caught, but the ones that we've caught aren't that much, uh, much bigger than that. Maybe twelve inches. You know, they've, they've been, they've been kind of small. We caught some when we're down in the the keys, actually. Um, I missed a really big, um, would it be? I think a mangrove snapper. What's the other? It's not a, um, not a kubera. There's another kind of snapper down there. Um, I mean, they got all sorts of snappers on yellowtail. Yeah, no, it wasn't yellowtail. It they they look a lot like a mangrove, but they're called schoolmaster snapper. Maybe that's, I don't. Know. We that's were kind of we were on this reef, and this is just this is my um, ignorance of not of not fishing that style. Isn't and that fun though? To sometimes not to know everything. It is, but I'm looking down, and I can see fish swimming around down there. I'm like, oh, there's some down there, you know. So I I drop. I dropped my bait down there, and I could see there's there was actually two of them, and they're like circling my bait. They're looking at it, and they're daring each other. You first, kind of, and then one of them kind of. I'm like, oh, there's one, and I give it this little, you know, I set the hook. And I'm like, oh, I got one, and I'm like super like nonchalant, like because I've caught snappers, right? You know, little 14, yeah. 15 inch snapper. It's a pretty good fight. Well, this is on this custom rod that I just had made custom bonita rod actually for all the people that want to laugh at me, but it's it's a medium heavy. Seven, four with a fast tip, so okay. I can cast. It's meant to cast, you know, a quarter to three eighths ounce jig. Yeah. But because when you catch, you know, like those five pound bonita, they fight really yeah, they hard. So I gotta be able. I needed a rod that I could deliver a lighter lure with, but had the backbone. Because the times that we have fish bonita, I'm losing using these flats rods, and sure they're whippy enough to get that jig out there, but trying to set the hook and fight these things, it's like bent over all the way to the handle. It just it doesn't work very good. So, anyways, I had this rod made up, and it it worked great for that. So, anyways, I hooked this I hooked this snapper, and I'm thinking it's just another 14, 15 inch. I can see it. Well, what I wasn't keeping in mind is we were in like 25 feet of water. So what looked like a little fish to me was yeah. a substantially sized fish. And it by the time I realized I was hooked into something legit, because that medium heavy rod was fully loaded up to the handle. Like it was, uh, that was a big fish. And that's when I was like, oh crap, I got to get him before he gets in that reef. And then he was in the reef. And then that was that. Yeah. I caught a big mutton snapper. Mutton. That's oh, it. That's one. Oh, that's okay. what I was, Those yeah, things mutton. will dive in the reef. I got a pretty good mutton snapper a couple of years ago. He did the same thing. He dropped under, hooked under the reef. And our guide, he had a, had a mate on the board. And he just dump, jumped in, free dove, like 35 feet down. Oh, wow. And tickled it out of there, and it shot out of the rock and actually got it in. And Wow. Couldn't believe I, I, that guy got a good tip. 
That's crazy. Yeah, it was just what he did. I, was, I didn't have to say anything. He just dove. Well, if I knew that was an option, I would have sent my nephew in there. <laughs> yeah, people do it. Um, it's cool. We had a funny one like that this year. We are in Belize. So I do a trip. I take people down, and we do, you know, one day of ruins and one day of caving and one, you know, everything. Mm-hmm. We mix it up. It's, not, it's actually mostly not fishing, a little bit of fishing. Usually it bring, brings your wives and friends on that right, trip. Right, right, right. So we go out there, and half the group doesn't want to go fishing. They're going to lay on the beach that day and, you know, do that thing. And so there's three or four of us on the boat. Uh, two of us are pretty serious fishermen. And one guy, he's a good friend of mine. He lives up here. And he's, you know, got two, three species of fish, fish in his life. All with me, probably. He went to the boundary waters with me one time, and so we're out there fishing, and we caught some barracudas, which are great fun to catch, and you catch some different types of mackerel and a couple snappers, and we're kind of teasing them a little bit. All of a sudden, this rod just goes over, and we thought he had hooked the bottom, and we're just watching him, and five, six, almost ten minutes into it, he still hasn't seen this fish, and we're going, Steve, are you sure? I mean, it looks like it's pulling down, and <laughs> sure. we're eating lunch. I'm eating a sandwich. So in the video, it, my mouth's kind of full, and I look over the edge of the boat, and all of a sudden I realize there's this massive African pompano under the boat, and it hits me that's on his line, and chaos breaks out something. There's myself and the guide, who were both sitting down at the time. We jumped to our feet, which rocked the boat a little bit, and we're like, it's an African pompano. In fact, the, it's because my YouTube channel, I kind of make it so kids can watch. I had to do a lot of editing. Mm. A lot. Of editing. <laughs> there was this very calm day, and suddenly there was language everywhere. And so I had to bleep out all this stuff. And it was just so funny to watch this unexpected fish come in. You know, you know, don't realize how big they are. And yeah, yeah it's, it's really, really cool. Huh. The trip. So where are you at in your 101 list? I'm at 42. 42. you got a ways to go. i got a long ways to go. <laughs> but, you know, it's I'm too picky. I've got – I'd be – I mean, I've caught 101 species in my life. I just – Right, right, yeah. No, I get it. Now, where are you with, like, what's your opinion on, like, um, some of the less flashy fish, like a big red horse sucker that you can get here? Yeah, yeah, if if it's a nice one. really good. I'd put it on the list if I got a nice one. Big carp? Maybe depending on the carp. 30 plus? Yeah, if it's a big, big one, you'd probably take it. Um, How about the big cats? We have like big flathead catfish. Have you oh, definitely. Those if, you, if I got a big flathead catfish, uh, I'd put it on the list. I'd take north of 30 pounds on a flathead yeah, too. It'd, it'd be, but see, there's that term for me. It's braggable. So I look at the fish. You know, I, I don't have a bullhead on my list. I've caught a lot of bullheads. They're such an ugly fish. They're so easy to catch out here. I don't know where it has to be, but if I caught a huge bullhead, I'd be like, look at this bullhead, everybody. I caught this bullhead. Listen, I caught one. We were bass fishing. I was dragging a Ned rig, and this thing, I, I didn't measure it. I didn't wait. I, I don't know why I didn't, but it was easily the biggest bullhead I had ever seen. And I lifted it, and that thing clamped down on my thumb, thumb and legit hurt. Yeah. I did not know. I have caught many a bullhead and never once experienced strength from a bullhead like that before. I was like, that actually really hurts. Speaking of uh, bass fishing, you got to come over to Lodge one day. I've got a new lure i got to show you. Oh, you were telling me about that. Yeah, a new bait. But anyway, yeah. that's... Have the, you used it? Uh, just for a couple of minutes. I've sold quite a bit, and it's worked well. People are pretty happy with it. Okay. Um, I've got to get out and make one. I've got to do it, and I've got to make a video on how to do it. But anyway, yeah, you get so this list, it, it's tough, and I wanted the list to be a challenge. I didn't want it to be something that's just going to complete 
in a summer. I didn't realize it was going to take me 20 years, <laughs> which it probably will. So I've kind of broken up into chunks. And my, my goal this year, I've got three fish in particular that I want to add and hopefully add a few others. Um, look at my trips. So I've got a, a, our family, like my siblings and parents, we're all going on a cruise in Alaska in August. So for the first time in like 13 years, I will take a week off. A summertime vacation. A summertime vacation. This is that's You're weird a wild for me. Man. Yeah, it's gonna. Be, I'm gonna be nervous the whole time. I'm going to lodge. I've got uh, a family coming in. They're gonna help Keep out day to day, and I've asked you to help with some boat stuff at night. So I'm hoping to add a salmon. Nice. You know, they, they, you go to Alaska. I've got two days. I'm stream fishing for, one day. For and, king. Uh, right now, I'm hoping to add a salmon. I have no salmon oh, on my okay. list. Oh, really? Yeah, I've been two okay. fishing trips to Alaska. Okay. I haven't landed okay. a single salmon. Um, yeah, those are different stories. But uh, so I want to add a salmon. I want to add a red-tailed cat, and I really want to add a muskie this year. And I you're am also, going. You're not far from sturgeon either. Yeah, well, uh, that's a. I would have to take a day to go up like Rainy River to do mm-hmm. that. Um, but so it was bite-sized pieces is what I'm saying here. So I'm gonna get. I want to get those three on. And I'm, you know, maybe I get two different types of salmon. Maybe I go up there, I get a king and a chum and mm-hmm. a pink and or a pink. Some, I don't know yeah. silver. Yeah. Who knows, right? Yep, cool. So maybe you go up there and. You add two of them. Maybe I go down to Brazil and I'm trying to add a red tail because I'm really going to target. And I end up with a good pyara as well. Well, then I, you know, so you could add more. I have enough fishing trips coming up that there's, I get, I get my chances. But right now I'm like three fish by the end of this year when I'm on the list, and then I'll make my goals for the other stuff. And so here I'm going to give you another for you to work your magic get some like discount trip or whatever you do the trip that my brother and i this is this is like our bucket list okay and all dream trips great barrier reef oh wow they take you out on on a houseboat and you stay on the houseboat and they pull um fishing boats behind it okay and the great barrier reef is so massive yeah, yeah. this outfitter they never fish the same spot of the reef hmm. twice you're literally fishing for fish that I've probably never seen. Well, above. you're asking the right person to look Ever. into this. Yeah, I'll find out. My brother will know because he's obsessed with it. As uh, I'll, I'll send the uh, information your way. You start just yeah. No, know, I'll, I'll do the research on it. The feeling they catch these things. I think they're called like a Queensland grouper or a queen fish or a queen grouper or something like that. They catch them. Oh, and they only use artificials. Hmm. They, a lot of times they use. Um, like either topwater plugs or just a like a big spoon type of thing, and they catch these these groupers are just they giant. They catch groupers on surface. Yeah, and like plugs and stuff. It's crazy. Wow. Yeah, it's nuts. It's it's pretty wild. I'll, I'll find it. I'll send you a video. You'll. It's it's yeah, amazing. That'd, that'd it's be obviously cool. not cheap. No, it's not just cheap. to get there and to get out and to stay. You know, and you go out. It's, this isn't a day trip, right? You're right, out there no. for days. And if you go that far, you got to do it that. That's that's so the Amazon thing. You know, like I said, we go camping basically. Uh, we're there for a week because if you're going to take all that time, money go down there, and it is expensive. You got to spend enough time to make it worth it. Right. So, but that would be a cool trip. I mean, I've got man, I got trips that I just someday <laughs> want to take. Well, there's a there's one on my list that I just I kind of discovered. I've seen videos of it, but it. I was uh, I've been doing this thing where I'll go on Google Earth and I'll just kind of like scroll around and I'll see a little island or I'll see an atoll or something and I'll like zoom in on it and I'm like God that looks awesome what's the name of this place there's gotta be some fishing there and then I'll go to Google and be like um, whatever those islands are called fishing and then 
see what comes up, you know. And sometimes you find some stuff, and sometimes you don't. Like, the only fishing there is, like, some local village, and they eat the fish. Well, there's this island, String Islands, out in the Atlantic, off north, off the coast of northwest coast of Africa. Um, pretty, I think they're it's a British, owned by the British Isles or Dutch or somebody. I don't remember. But what you do is you catch these huge GTs from shore because it just drops off into super deep water. Okay. And they they you cast these big giant plugs out there and you hook up to them and it's just the videos are nuts. So as soon as they hook up. That sound you're talking about, the line screaming off, it's yeah. nothing but that. It's just, like, they just take off. That looks, oh, my God. The 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 strikes are so violent, and they're almost always using, like, a topwater plug. Wow. You know? Oh. That's the whole reason why, well, no. The whole reason I started my YouTube channel was because I was trying to fight my son. But when I convinced, when I talked to him, I said, look, let's do this. If we do this right... We could get lucky and pick up a sponsor at some point and maybe get some gear. And then someday, you never know, you get someone that says, hey, I saw one of your videos. And I, I meet these guys at sports shows because I right. go to all these sports shows all yeah. winter. Um, they said, hey, I saw one of your videos. I was wondering if you wanted to come down. And that happened. I've had two of them. So I went to Alaska last year. Didn't catch a salmon, but I had a really great four <laughs> days of fishing. And the guy wanted me to come and make a YouTube video. Nice. And so we went. We had to pay our own airfare. He took us out on the ocean for four days, and we had a fantastic time. And so this winter, this November, I go down to Brazil. I told you I was going on this camping trip. I already had it arranged, and I, since then I've had another. Um, it's a yacht. The guy has this yacht, and he has bass boats, a trail hook with it. And he invited me to come at no cost to fish for a trophy peacock to make a YouTube video for him. I'm like, really? My videos aren't that great. <laughs> but he thought there was a level of authenticity to it. So I will get come out of the camping on the Amazon. I'm going to spend three days in Manaus recovering because, I don't know, they're not really recovering, but I'll just relax. And then I'm going with him on his yacht and bass boat to go fishing for a week. Nice. So, yeah, I'm, I'm the right guy to talk to you and say, hey, what do you know about these trips? Because I meet people all right. over. I, I Yeah, they, they, when you go to a sports show as a vendor, you know, your Friday, Saturday, Sunday is very, very busy. But if they have a Wednesday or Thursday on that, you are just dead. So all the vendors walk around, get to know each other. Sometimes you go out later for a meal or a drink, and mm -hmm. you sit there. And I trade trips with people, so I do. That's a good way of doing it, too. Yeah, I get yeah. Sometimes people ask me, how do you afford to do all these trips? Well, I do a lot of trading. Right, right. <laughs> well, I mean, who knows? There's a there's a possibility of uh, yeah, yeah, maybe, something. Maybe something someday. So I, I might be at sports shows with you at some point in time. Oh, sports that's shows. That's just one more resort to put more brochures. So yeah. why wouldn't they be on board, right? Yeah. I mean, everyone in the fishing, outfitting, uh, guiding world, we're all kind of in it together. Mm -hmm. And there's a group that says, nope, I'm not working with anybody. I'm not sharing anything. And there's a group of us that say, oh, yeah, my clients are fishermen, and they love to fish anywhere. So let's. what can we collaborate on? And, it, and there's... I think it's it, it comes better from somebody they already know. Like they've already spent money with you, they trust you. You know. Oh yeah. So when you're when when just a person goes to a sports show and they're like, okay, I like this person's booth, but I don't know if this person's going to screw yes. me or not, right? So, but if you can vouch for a resort somewhere else, well, that that's huge. That's going to alleviate a lot of anxiety for somebody booking a trip in another country. Oh for yeah, sure. When we first came up with the idea to do some of these trips and 
advertise it to our guests. My wife was terrified. She says, you advertise your guests. And they start finding out that you go fishing on these trips. They're going to say, what is that? Why is he not working? Why is he not fixing the cabins? <laughs> it hasn't been that way at all. Um, the guests love hearing about it. They love that we put out videos of our places like, oh, where's Adam now? He's in Peru? What? Yeah. And, and you do these things, right? So they like it. They like hearing about it. And some of them are curious. As a fisherman, I'll say this. like when, And this happens far too often, in my opinion, when like a resort owner or operator they don't get to fish much a lot of times. You know, and I hear that all the time. At least that's what they say. Maybe they just don't like fishing. I don't know. But to me, it's like, I'm always like, dude, you got to take some time. Like, I'll watch the bar tonight. Go fishing for a couple hours. Yeah. Oh, my God. As a a patron, I would want, like, I, I find it better if my host is shares that passion that I, yeah, that I, I share. I think I might have told you a story before, but a few years ago, uh, well, a few years, you know, six or seven years ago, I never fished. I love fishing, bought the lodge, stopped fishing. It was killing me. And mm-hmm. the guests noticed it. Uh, and then one day I heard my kids talking to somebody. And Brock, who's you know th- he's now 13, and we hang out fishing together. He's like six years old, six, six or seven. And the guest says, hey, Brock, so I saw that you were out fishing in your kayak. Because he loves kayak fishing. He's like, oh, I love fishing. And they said, oh, that's so cool. Your dad loves fishing. You guys fish a lot? He goes, no, nah, my dad works. Reality oh, check. <laughs> so here I had bought this fishing lodge on a great fishing lake to spend time with my family, and I was working constantly. And my kids were watching everyone else come up here and be on vacation, and there's all these dads taking their kids fishing, mm-hmm. and their dad worked. worked. So we sat down. We had a real come-to-Jesus moment right there. And that night, you know, Casey and I were laying in bed. We're talking about this. I said, what are we doing? I left the corporate world to buy this place so that we can spend time and my kids don't even know that I like to fish. So we changed and it was, it was scary because you're right. You wonder, are the guests going to think, Oh, why is he not mowing the lawn? Mm -hmm. Nope. Our guests love that I fish and they always ask me, Hey, what day are you fishing? Oh, great. I want to hear what you did that week. So we come in. So I fished this morning for, and it's not long. It's like 90 minutes, two hours when I go, because you got to get back. Um, there so is I, things that need oh, yeah, to be done. To do. <laughs> and I work plenty of hours. So I come back in and they're on the docks and say, Hey, how was your fishing? What'd you guys catch? I said, well, we caught this many walleye. We caught some bluegills, caught a bunch of pike. Oh, what depth? I tell them we're at 12 feet. Where were you? And I'm a guy, I, I share where I was. Mm-hmm. So they love it. They love seeing that. They know we're passionate about it. They right. know when I'm giving them information, I'm going to tell them right where the crappie mm-hmm. are. Yep. If I know I'm going to help them do it. They know they're coming somewhere to stay with somebody who's as passionate, maybe more. So, if you're, you know, <laughs> I would argue I'm probably a little beyond borderline obsessive. Yeah, borderline upset. <laughs> I'm, I'm beyond borderline. Anyway, <laughs> Way uh, over the line. They, they they know that I love fishing, and they're all supportive of it. They yeah, haven't had a sure, single complaint. Why wouldn't they be? Like, I, I just I don't. The lawn does get mowed. I get it. Everybody everybody's different, but as a as a fisherman, like. Again, I've ran into like resort owners. I'm like, you never fish. That's sad. It's, like, it's very, very sad. And I want and fishermen like to swap fishing stories. Oh yeah, yeah. So it's gonna be better if I'm staying with somebody who has fishing stories to share with me. This winter, uh, my youngest Chase, so he's seven right now. He was he's in the first grade, and he someone says, "So what's your dad do for work?" He goes, "Um, my dad." He stands around a dock talking about fishing all day long. <laughs> like, bro, I uh, if only <laughs> do a lot of other stuff too. 
Nope, that's all he thinks I do is talk yeah, fishing uh, all day. <laughs> uh, if only. And it's it's great. I love telling fishing stories. I love yeah. having people come in and talk about it. I love them showing their, their kids' first big this or that. And Yeah, um, yeah it's, it's so uh, enriching to be in an environment where everyone's happy to see you. And everyone's excited and they, they're, you know, I don't, you, you, I, have a, I have a great, I have a great job. I got a great gig. It's, it's loads of fun. There are frustrating days. There are days where it feels like nothing is going right and you can't get the thing working that you need to get working and the cabin's going to be here in an hour, but you get through those moments and you go fishing. For me, fishing is therapy. Whenever I get a little bit too frustrated or stressed, my wife, you know, she's an amazing individual, very patient. She's like, Adam, I think it's been a few days. You need to go fishing. <laughs> so, yep, that, not that's, wrong. That's how I come back alive. Yeah, no. Right and my poor kids, you. they they do get dragged all. My my kids have no idea how good they have it. I grew up in a home we didn't vacation. Uh, we had a farm. It was always animals to feed, always. So my entire childhood, when I left home, we had been on two vacations as a family in eighteen years. We didn't vacation. My dad hates fishing. I didn't fish growing up outside of Boy Scouts. So my kids don't realize, you know, they get to go places. They get to fish. They get to do these things with me. Um, it's amazing. There's nothing better than finding yourself in a boat away from everything else with one of your kids. Yep. And they're forced to talk to you. Right. <laughs> Even my 16-year-old right. daughter. She, we get on the lake, and she's after a while, so... Uh, I'm like, oh, she said so. Uh, something's coming. Sounds, sounds. I'm gonna hear something from her. That's not just. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the universal sound of a teenage girl. For me, fishing is the bridge that that you know crosses any chasm. Yeah, for sure. It brings us together. My wife does not love fishing the way I do, but she's supportive. It's funny because she goes to places with me and um, puts up with it. This year when we went to the Amazon, she wasn't super excited. She came back. She tells everybody how amazing it was. I'm like, see, you, you can handle this sort of stuff. But a lot of times we go places and she doesn't fish. When we go to Alaska this year, she's not going to fish. She's going to do a couple other things while I fish. And it's fine. And the kids, so, you know, Brock will fish with me one day. Addie will fish with me a different day. And I get that chance to be out there with them, sharing those memories. So I watched my... Youngest, Chase, he's on the dock this week just hammering the bluegills on the dock. I don't let him kill any of the fish on the dock because I feed the dead bait every morning. I walk oh, down the sure. dock and I throw yeah. the dead leeches and worms yeah. and things in the water. And the bluegills sit in the shade, so they're kind of like all my pets. The, all the kids down there and catch loads of bluegills every day. And he loves it. He just giggles and laughs. And mm-hmm. Man, no, fishing. That's great. That's awesome. Well, it's exciting. I know what's good on my end is I, we have more stories where when you come back next year. Yeah, I got uh, lots of fishing stories. Well, uh, Those don't go away. So um, everybody go check out uh, Crazy Good Fishing on YouTube. Let's try to blow his uh, likes up. It's it's pretty modest right now, but I think it could. Yeah, it's, it's a small channel. Again, it's yeah. just Brock and I having fun. Uh, nothing fancy on these videos. They're just, we do some fishing reports. We do some fishing tips. Mm-hmm. We show fish that we catch. Yeah. It's all filmed on our iPhone. It's all edited on my iPhone. Brock, he does the editing. He creates the thumbnails. He comes up with a lot of the ideas. It's funny because 
he wanted the channel. He doesn't like to be in the videos. He <laughs> He's wants a producer. To, he produces. Yeah. I so that makes me the actor, and I don't love it. But hey, it's a great yeah. way for us to hang out. So yeah, crazy good fishing on YouTube. We we have fun. So maybe you might learn something. I had somebody this week. It surprised me. I made a wacky rigging, uh, wacky rig video, and I got some emails and some feedback. And people were like, I didn't know you could use an O ring. <laughs> I thought, wow! How did you, I, I, I thought that was. Listen, I did it. I did it without the O-ring for so long, and just you know, it's 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 a one and done. Yeah, you, that's the thing. You get a big fish, it tears your Senko yeah, up. So you put an O-ring on, you're gonna triple, quadruple your life for that Senko. I don't know why I fought it for so long, but I did. But I finally got the little tool and the bands, and I'm. No, like, I don't use the tool. Oh, it's, I have one. I never use it. Yeah, so it's just it. Yeah, it saves you so many worms. Like then that's one of those things. When I finally did it. I'm like, why didn't I just do this years ago? I'm such an idiot. Sure, but it's fun for me <laughs> because I'm realizing not everybody knows these things that I think everybody knows. I, I feel like everyone's better than me at fishing, and so I got there and said, oh, this these three people took time to express that I helped them learn something. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, no, it is cool, and that's something like. Even on my podcast, and if I start making videos eventually, it's the same thing I have to keep in mind. Like things that are, I think, are like, well, why? I'm not going to do this. Everybody knows how to tie a polymer knot. Well, no, because everybody's like, some people are today new to yeah. fishing, right? And you have to remember that you're not. You're not making a video for you. You're making yeah. it for somebody who doesn't know as much as you. So there's a full spectrum of skill. You are, but with videos, you're also making it to have this idea you can look back anytime and remember things so you get sure. both at the same right. time well there's different kinds of videos right there's an instructional video yeah. and then there's a like just rip and lips video yeah like, yeah both <laughs> those, fun to make those are different but well adam thanks for coming out this was a lot of fun i love the uh, amazon stories i can't wait to hear more uh so, You're going to hear some more. Like yeah, I said, I got I'm ready. three weeks of the Brazil fishing this November. So yeah. Well, and we got salmon fishing, so I'm Yeah, I'll be back. I'll be there you'll, in August. You'll so scratch you'll scratch that off the list, I'm pretty you'll sure. You'll see that. You'll, you'll hear and about I that. I don't one. know what your October schedule looks like, but end of October, I plan on going to Charleston to uh, catch reds. So if you need to scratch off a 40. Yeah, we should do some feel fall. relatively confident we can do that. I'm sure we, we can talk about that. That's something I'd be very interested in doing. This October, I'm going to Lake St. Clair to pursue the musky itch. Of course, if you want the guarantee, I'm trying to wrap this up, but if you want the guarantee on redfish, really, Louisiana is a place to go. Venice. I, it's I like, have a friend It's like cheating down there. I've got a friend who has a charter business down there, and him and I have talked about this. Yeah, he, it's basically cheating. He keeps trying to get me to come down there. He's got a houseboat that they anchor offshore a little bit, and you sleep out there. Oh, wow. Yeah. That'd be fun. Yeah, That'd be fun to do anyways, because I know they do like some, like the tuna trips are usually like a, that's a that's a long trip. It's a long boat ride to get out to those oil platforms. So, but, all right, well, let's wrap this thing up, and uh, I'm tired. Okay. <laughs> well, thanks for inviting me. Yeah, for sure. Obviously, you're welcome anytime. So, everybody, go check out Crazy Good Fishing. Also, go ahead and follow um, Birch Forest Lodge on uh, social media. Adam's been doing a really good job on his uh, fishing reports, weekly fishing reports. Yeah, every Tuesday, a new report comes out. Yeah, those are those are really good. He's You put those together nice, the little picture, and you know who you're talking about. That's Brock. About, and, Again, that's the 13-year-old. Yeah. I, yeah. I just talk he does all well, they're good like they like it's it's working good so i'm like obviously there's some effort there like okay you know what you're pointing at you're yeah, pointing he, at nothing and then you're putting the pictures there later so you've scheduled it out obviously so 
Actually, it, there's it less good. scheduling than you think. It's not completely unscripted. He just tells me where my dead space is. He goes, Dad, when you point, remember you're going to the right today. Right. <laughs> so. But you got to have the names and the fish yeah, we, we in get, the right order. Well. Or I guess you could put those in later. You could say whatever, and he can add them later. Yeah, I don't. It's, it's completely unscripted. <laughs> <laughs> we, we we made a mistake the other day on one of them. I'm like, oh, too late. Well, it's recorded. Yeah. Okay, I was trying to trying to give you props, and you're you're you're. So I just talk. Back Brock <laughs> puts the images and makes it look good later. So. Oh, that's funny. All right. Well, we will do this again. Okay. Later, Thanks, everybody. Dale. Bye.